Philippians chapter 3, start in verse number 15. Read a few verses here, then we'll expound on them, then we'll go home. It says, Let us therefore, as many be as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who minded earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall, charge, uh, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto the glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things under him. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this night, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that it goes out and does what it's supposed to do, Lord, that it penetrate our hearts, Lord, and let us just revive in your word. Help us again, I do pray, Lord, and touch our hearts and lift us up and encourage us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I am looking forward to revival. Uh, I'm just starting to get my mind set around revival and maybe help us. But I, I want you to look at this. Notice in verse 15, it's talking about the people. It said, let us therefore as many as be perfect. We know that the word perfect is not simply talking about sinless perfection, but it's talking about full maturity in, in the Christian faith. And I think if there's anybody that can be identified as a full matured Christian, it would be the Apostle Paul. And Paul talks about himself in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was a matured Christian. But Paul said, let us therefore be perfect. He is talking about being fully matured Christians this morning. This crowd that is aged in the faith, uh, those that have been uh, walking with God. He said, there is something I want you to draw your attention to. He's talking about the people. He, he talks about the practices. He said, I want you to be thus minded. In other words, that... What I'm talking to, about to say, the instructions, the truths and, and the, uh, uh, that I'm about to give you is not just for those who are starting out in the faith, but it's also those that have been in the way for a long time. Uh, he said, be thus minded. You know, we'll be able to same mind in one accord, uh, the Bible says, there's, there ought to be some unity in the body of Christ and the and the saints of Christ. There's going to be a unity in the church amongst the saints. It starts with the mind. Then it will work down to our hearts and it work down to our hands. Paul talks about the protesters here. Look what he said. If anything you be otherwise minded. In other words, Paul said, if those that think otherwise, those that don't walk like you, those that don't believe like you, you know, there's always going to be people uh, that no matter what is preached, no matter what is done, no matter what is teach, they're going to think otherwise. It doesn't matter what, a, what the voted on, they're going to think otherwise. 
There's always a crowd that thinks otherwise. And Paul said, we can't live that way. No matter if you have been saved or a short time, or if you've been in the way a long wet time, we still got to be pulling together in the same direction and get to that mindset about the truth and about the practice of the Word of God. Paul gives us this path in verse 16. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Paul gives us a path in verse 16, and he gives us a pattern that we ought to live by. That is, we ought to live by the same rule and same mind things. You see tonight when you think about the principles you think about the doctrines, you think about the teaching of the Word of God, it really doesn't matter what level you own in maturity of your Christian life, we're still to have the same mindset. We are still to live by the same rules. And that means there's no exception. There's no exception for me, there's no exception for you. It's presented, cut, for every one of our lives to live the same way God has given us. I'm telling you, if you're saved, God called you, God gave you this book, and He gave you somebody to preach it to you, He gave you somebody to teach it to you, and you and I are to absorb it, to digest it, to live it. God is not going to make an exception for someone about Him. He's not going to make an exception for you is not going to make an exception for me. But the principles and the precepts and the practices of the Word of God, they're for every single one of us. Regardless of who you are, regardless how long you've been in the way, no one is special. God is not going to let someone say, well, I'm not going to hold you that. Uh, you got uh, free reign over that. No, God says, this is the book. This is how you live and this is how you walk. No exceptions. I want to preach on this subject tonight. We have not arrived. That, that's what Paul's saying here. Those that's been saved for a long time in verse 16, nevertheless, where we have already arrived, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same things. Paul said it doesn't matter if you've been saved five minutes or 50 years. We have not arrived. As long as you live in this life, as long as you live in this flesh, you have not arrived. God gave us this book. And some people say, well, I, I don't go to church because of all those rules. Well, Paul said, let us walk by the same rule. I, I'm telling you, God's book is a rule book. Regardless of what the liberal crowd says, regardless of what the moderate crowd say, God gave us the rule to live by. Rebels have their own rule. They have rules, and they say they don't live by rules, but the first rule of the rebel is we're not going to follow anybody else's rule. That's the first rule of the rebel. The devil has rules. The world has rules. Our government has rules. But God's got blessings 
uh, that a whole lot better than what the world and what the devil can do. So looking at it, we have not arrived yet. We have not arrived. Let it, it gives us these things that we ought to look at and live by in our life tonight and help you and help me. He said, uh, he said let us follow the examples. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so you have for an example. Because we have not arrived, let us follow the examples that has been given to us. You see, Paul was uh, an aged Christian. And what he's telling these people at Philippi, don't live by, the, by, the, don't live by your example. Don't live by what you think. But you ought to have some good examples in your life to live by, to follow by. You've got faithful Paul. And look, and he said, be your followers together of me. And that's not arrogance on Paul's part. Uh, if you read Paul's writing, Paul doesn't lift himself. Paul doesn't elevate himself. And Paul was always talking about how lowly he was, how, how rotten he was, and how he's a sinner. He was the chief of sinners. Paul didn't lift him up, but he followed Christ. And he has proven himself to be an example for every one of us. He, 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 Paul never spent time writing things about himself in the Word of God. Paul talked about everything he used to be. But Paul said, I have lived the Christian life. I've done what is right. I have lived the right way. I have followed the example. And I want you to follow the example that's been given to you. He said, there are other faithful people. Paul, Paul didn't make a verse 15 about himself. Paul said, follow me and mark them which walk so as you have us, for an example, Paul said you've been uh, given a lot of examples in your life. And you'll look at those that's been faithful. I would say tonight, we ought to remember those that's been faithful in our lives. Those that God gave us as an example in our path. And God gave us something to look at and what they've done and how they lived their life. I've seen too many fall by the wayside. But there are those that are they're faithful and they're always at the house of God. They're doing the things of God. They're reading the Word of God. And Paul says those are the examples that you ought to live by. We ought to remember those. God has put somebody in your life to be an example to live by. We ought to follow the example in our life. You know, God used different people in different times. And, and when we think about the example, we always think about the elder people. We think about the ones that's been down the road for many years. And, and rightly so, we ought to. But sometimes God can use a younger person to be an example to other people. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I, 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 I really love our kids and what they're doing and the example they're setting and we ought to encourage them more and more to get involved more and more and that they see the life. But they ought to also be looking at those that are around them and how they're living their life, how they're walking this walk, and let that be an example to them because they're going to need some examples in this world to come. We need to have an example in our lives today in different ways and different forms. 
in different fashions. A faithful brethren, an exemplar, is not one that elevates themselves, is not popularity, is not talent, it's not notoriety, it's not an example tonight. You ask, what is the example for that? It's those that have been faithful, that walk by the same rules and the same mindset. That's what Paul is saying. Those that have been consistent. Those that have walked with God. Those that have not changed. Those that have not compromised. It's not hard to pick out someone that has been a good example in your life. And those that have been a good example don't have to go around and bragging on themselves or elevating themselves and say, look what I've done. And you know those that come to your mind. People, have, people in your life have been good examples you ought to follow by. There are those that think they have arrived. And we've seen people like that. In their mind, they, they think they have built themselves up to where they think there are legends in their own minds. Have you anybody met anybody like that in their lifetime? You don't have to listen very long when they're talking. You realize all they're talking about is themselves. Look what I did. Look what I've done. Look where I've been. Look what I said. It don't take very long to realize some people have already done built themselves up and they've already arrived in their own mind. But can I remind you, as long as you're in this flesh, as long as you're in this world, you've never arrived. There's always somebody to sound the trumpet for what they've done in their life. Letting people know where they've been and what they have accomplished. You don't have to worry about anybody keeping a record for them. They already kept a record for themselves. God is keeping a record too. There are some examples that we ought to follow. Faithful men never talk about themselves. Just look at their lives. They're faithful. I've ran into some Pharisees in the world and, and you know, those that uh, think they're, they're better than you because they, they don't do that, or haven't done that, or haven't been there. I've, I've ran into some of them. But I, I've ran into a lot more Pharisees in this crowd that have left the old time way. They, they, they've gotten off path. And, and what they'll do, when, since they got off path, they'll, they'll start talking about those that are still in the old time way. They, they're not doing anything biblical. They're not serving God. They're not walking with God. They just say, I, I found a new way. I found a new path. And I, I've heard that so much lately, it's pitiful. I, I've got a better way. I've got a new way. There ain't but one way. It's the old pathway. Jesus Christ is on the way. 
the truth and the life. There's no other way. But there are those that think they have arrived and they're at another level, another plane. There are a lot more of those people in the world today than somebody just saying, well, I haven't done that, so I'm better than you. We find people are going out in the world during their own time. They, they spend time criticizing all those old people that have gone down the old pathway. People talk about it because you still preach that way. Y'all still sing that way. Oh, we got a better idea. We got better. We can turn our lights down low and flick our lights on and everybody get happy. Everybody's good to go. That's not the new way. They're just following a crowd. They've changed course. I, I, I promise you, if God said it was wrong 35 years ago, it's still wrong today. There ain't but one way. God says, I am the way. And if you look at those people, they, they're not getting more spiritual, but they're getting more earthly. You can see it. They're, 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 they're starting to invite the world inside the church. And they're looking more like the world than they are looking like the church. Uh, they don't have anything spiritual about them anymore. It's all about me and the world and the world coming together. I'm telling you what, the Bible says you ought to be separated. Come out from among them. Then say, hey, you can't invite them to church. But let me tell you what, you should not become just like them. We're not to follow them. He says, you ought to, there's an examples in your life that those are the ones that you need to follow. Let me give you three things that Paul said that we ought to do. In verse 18 says, fear the enemy. Notice their discipleship. For many walk. You know something about these enemies? They cannot produce anything. What they have to do is proselyte those that have taught the truth. They have gone after those. They are wolves in sheep clothing. And when people compromise, they always want to take someone with them down their path. They always want somebody to go with them. They'll never go by themselves. These people in the text were false teachers. Taught false doctrine. They were the enemies of the cross. Their discipleship was popular. It said, for many walked. Let me say this. Just because it's popular with, does not mean it's of God. Or has God's approval on it. When it goes against the bounds of God. When it goes against the scriptures. You stay with that right stuff. God has always been the minority. And Jesus has always had a few. He had 12 disciples. It wasn't many. In fact the Bible said. That at one point. Many did walk with him no more. And some followed him afar off.
But thank God for that crowd that said, there might be a lot of enemies out there, uh, but I am, uh, I am still holding on the cross. I'm still going to believe in the Word. Uh, I'm going to still trust in Jesus. I'm not running back. Uh, I'm still holding on. Uh, I'm not looking back. I'm not backing up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to keep on following Jesus because that is the way. Uh, there is an example of people in a life. You need to recognize the enemies of God. Paul talks about their dislikes. The Bible said, and now tell you even weeping that they are the examples, enemies of the cross. You know people are never going to accept you for who you stand for. They're, they're never going to like you because of who you believe in. This world is never going to embrace Christianity. Christianity is never going to be popular. If you want it to be popular, you can't be popular and be a Christian at the same time. The world's going to hate you. Yea, and all that will live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. We are the light of the world. We are also the salt of the earth. And salt in the wound gets irritated. I'm telling you, the world is not, the world is the enemy tonight. He set the example. We have not arrived yet. There's a destruction in verse 19. Whose end is destruction? Listen to me. Don't think about how they're doing right now. Don't look at what's going on right now, but look at the end. Look at the end of those that go another way. They have lived ungodly. Lived in that ungodly pathway. You read Psalms 1, and it tells you all that, and it talks about it. It says the words like blessed, delight, and fruitful, and prosper, and that. Then it says, and the unsaved or ungodly are not so. They shall not stand in their righteousness. They're not, they're not there. He says the, the, the indestructions of the ungodly is destruction. The Bible says there's a path that seemed right unto man, but the end of the ways is of death. There, there is, don't look at what they're going to. Don't look at what they're doing now. I know it looks good. And the, you look on TV and all these uh, uh, movie stars and these athletes and everything, they live in the high life. They're living the great life. They got all the money they want. To, they can go anywhere they want. They can say anything they want to do. And yet you look at it and it looks real good. But the end is destruction. That's what you need to look at. We get so fixated on the world and what the world can produce and put in front of our faces, we can't see anything else. But there is an end that's coming. I have not arrived. But let me just say this. Living for Jesus has been worth it every mile. 
even every valley that I've gone through, every mountaintop I've been to, every disappointment, every sickness, I, I, it's been worth it all the way. And, I, and I'm not going back. I'm not looking at the world anymore. I, I, I said, Lord, I am yours. I have surrendered myself. I'm giving myself to you. I'm not looking back at the world no more. In fact, can I say the world has lost its attraction to me. It no longer has a pull on me anymore. Because it's been worth it every way. You see, their disgrace, the Bible said, whose God is their belly. Their lust, their appetites is the world. The glory is their shame. You know, people like glory in their sin. They like to wallow in their sin. We're living in a society today that wants to shame us to the point they want to put us in the closet. They want to silence us. They don't want you to preach against anything that goes against God. And, but yet they don't mind to shove it in your face and tell you you've got to accept this. This is the lifestyle. This is the way we're going to live. This is how we're going to be. I'm going to tell you what, if you watch TV, it's, it's shame. Commercials even gotten so bad it's pitiful. I mean, even the young kids shouldn't even be watching a commercial at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's gotten so bad out there today. But they, they don't mind taking the sins of the world and the sins of the flesh and putting it in front of you, but you don't say a word about how they live, what they do, because it makes you wrong. They are the enemies of the cross. I'm just going to live on my God's side. I, I'm against everything the book is against, and I'm for everything the book is for. We better preach against sin. Better teach against sin. I, our young people depend on it. We have not arrived. We have not arrived. Their desires, whose mind sets earthly things. You know, you know what the church should be all about? The things all the next world is, the world is about the worldly thing, but the church should be all about the spiritual things. When a church gets to the place where it becomes more consumed with the things of the world than we are about the Father's business, that's what Jesus said, I'm about my Father's business. Soul winning, spiritual things, handing out tracts. But there are a lot of churches today that have sold out, have given into the world. And all these things are going on. It's not a spiritual event, it's a social event in the world today. That's the difference between a church. Churches that opened during pandemic, that was because people had a desire to be in the church, couldn't live without the church. 
says, you know what, we've got to get back in church. We can't, we got, we got to have church. They love church. They want to preach. But then those that close the doors and they don't come back. They haven't come back. It was just an excuse not to go to church anymore. And it's not because they, it's a church because it was more of a social event than it was in a spiritual event. They didn't come to praise God. They didn't come to worship God. They just come to sing Kumbaya, Kumbaya. And that's why the churches are still shut. That's why you drive by churches now and the doors are closed on Wednesday night. The doors are closed on Sunday night. And the doors probably be closed Sunday morning. Because now it's just about a social event instead of a spiritual event with meeting with God. We ought to be about the Father's business. And if we ever get outside of that, then we ought to be shut down. We need to focus on encouragement. Verse 20. Paul don't leave us hanging here. He says, I, I want to give you some encouragement. I want to give you some encouragement in the way. For our conversation is in heaven. This is talking about the believer's home going as mentioned here. From whence also we looked for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. The blessed hope is mentioned in this verse. Paul gives some encouragement. He mentions the enemies. He mentions the examples. But it leaves with some great encouragement that Jesus is coming again. He talks about the glorious body. He said, who shall change our vile body that is fashioned like on the glorious body? He gives us this guarantee according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What are you saying, Paul? Paul was saying, we have not arrived. You're still in your body. You're still on this world. But you hang on. There is coming a day. <laughs> There's coming a day that you will arrive. He says, you know, because he's going to arrive. How are we going to arrive? Because he's going to arrive. My citizenship is not down here. If you're saved, there is coming a day and a moment, the twinkle of an eye at the last trump. Thank God our bodies are going to be changed. Incorruptible put on the, uh, must put on the incorruptible and the mortal must put on the immortality. And the death of Christ, shall, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then them which are remain, remain shall be called up together with him and meet him in the air and there they shall ever be. When that happens, when that goes on, then we can say, I have arrived. When we got in that glorified body and we step out into our homeland, then I can say, I have arrived. I haven't arrived yet. One glorious day I am going to arrive. And I'm looking forward to it. Maybe today, maybe not. Maybe tonight, maybe not. But I'm looking forward to that day that I can say, praise the Lord. I can, I can look at this world and say, Ain't nothing in this world for me no more. Nothing for me. Amen.